0: Haven't we got something to bless the Lord about tonight? Haven't we got something to give him glory and honor? For he has forgiveth all our sin, He heals our diseases, he redeems our life from destruction. If we done nothing else? Is that not everything you know to bless him about? You know I grew up in a in a Christian home, Christian family, grew up in Beaver Estate. And when I say a Christian home, I grew up we went I was at church. Nearly, well, quite a lot, you know, it was at every every uh children's church, uh, Sunday school, every meeting there was going, I was there, even the all-night prayer meetings, Mum and Dad tried us along and uh, put a mattress out of the back, and Naomi and I would have would have sat there, the all-night prayer meetings. You know, and um and I was taught the scriptures, I was taught the gospel, and I was, you know, as a when you're in Sunday school, you're taught about the creation story, you're taught about Abraham and Moses and Daniel and Anne's and and uh David and Goliath, and you're taught all these things and you're taught the gospel but you know you can know these things but see if you don't know it in your heart it, it really means nothing it means nothing and it was 1999 I don't know I don't know what date it was but it was it was late summer anyway and I was I was uh age seven and we were sitting in our living room in Beaver and uh we were watching a documentary on the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, where he walked, where he lived, where he preached, where he done the miracles. And I just remember I'm sitting there and I'm sitting with my back against the sofa and the the window was behind me and the sun was shining through. And we're watching this and Do you know when, when that seed's planted in your heart, it's there, you know, from your Sunday school Sunday school teachers and even just listening in the meetings, seeing God move in the meetings at church and it's there. But I wasn't saved and I can remember just sitting you know, watching that documentary. And, you know, I know the terminology now, but back then I didn't. But the Holy Spirit came and just convicted me of my sin as a seven-year-old. You know, I, I didn't do anything, you know, as a sinner because the Bible says for all have, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But, you know, I wasn't, I didn't do anything majorly wrong. wasn't out in that world as a seven-year-old, you know, but I knew my need for a saviour. I knew that, I was lost and I was heading to a lost eternity. And at that moment, my sin became so real to me with my back against the sofa. And I started to weep. I started to cry. And do you know what? When and dad turned around and they were like, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I just said, no, I want to get, I want to get saved. I want to, I want to get, become a Christian. Do you know when mom and dad led me to the Lord that night at the age of seven? And you know what? I can't say there was any special light or anything, but I knew the peace of God in my life. I knew very simply that I wasn't going to hell. Before that, I was lost. I was headed to hell, but I gave my life to Christ, and very simply, I'm not going to heaven. That's how simple it is. I'm now going to heaven, you know. And in, in 2001, then that was that was when I get saved. In 2001, it was late August, and I was nine. And I was going into I was going to primary six and my dad and Uncle Tim and some of the men were preparing to go out to India on a mission trip um in September. And I can't remember Mum brought me up the up stairs brought us up the bed basically. And uh kinda I think she had prayed with us and then she had left the room. And they were down in the living room. And I remember laying on the bed, and i remember clear as anything. Um just laying there and at the time, I can only describe it as this pins and needles sensation came over one side of my face. I didn't know what, what was going on, didn't know what happened, scared the life clean out of me. But I was lying on my bed, you know, at this, as this nine-year-old, I literally paralyzed in my bed. I couldn't move as long, when this pins and needles sensation was, was going on. I was aware of my surroundings. I was aware of my room. But I, I, I couldn't move until this left. You know, that night I went away. came came down the stairs and I, I spoke to Mum and Dad. told them about it. phoned out of ours and I can't remember what, what went on, but I felt fine. I felt fine. The next day I was up running about, probably play, kicking football. Probably that's all i done. And Mum brought me to bed that night, the next night. And I can't remember whether it was after she prayed with me or before she prayed. But she was in the room and this happened again. One side of my face. And I took an epileptic seizure. Do you know when to describe it? I didn't know what it was. I can only describe it as pins and needles. But on one side of my face, it drooped. It went distorted. It was disfigured. I can't, can't really think of what it must have felt for mum to see me. Being a father myself, saying you get or Sarah. You know, I was taking an epileptic seizure. My my mouth drooped me. I twitched really fast. And I went disfigured, distorted. I took a seizure. I remember my mum shouting, Stephen, Stephen, from the ambulance. I can remember clear as anything that night. The ambulance came. It was fine after. I went in the ambulance. I don't know what ambulance it was. had all the teddy bears. There was loads of teddy bears in one of the ambulances. went to the children's hospital. And uh, they run scans. They done tests with me. and Basically... There was a big, long name for it. I don't know what I don't, I don't even know what it's called. But it was childhood epilepsy, and they told me that this would not go away possibly till your late teens, your early twenties, maybe even your mid twenties. Possibly you're going to have to take this medication through a syringe. That's going it will hopefully numb it down, maybe take it away. But um, that was that's what they had told me. But I remember one particular night in the hospital. I think I'd taken a i was taking seizures every, every night that week when I was in the hospital. I remember, I remember being on the being on that hospital bed, Mum and dad were, I think we were near to the bottom, to the left, and Gunny and Granda were there, to my side, and I've this seizure. You know what, they started to pray. I just remember them praying for healing, for a miracle over this life. The doctor, I, don't, I, I can't remember the doctor was there or not, but they just started to pray. And I can remember that specific night. And that's what we done. You know, I, was, I came out of the hospital then with this diagnosis, and that's what we've done. We went to prayer. We started to believe. The church started to pray for a healing. The church started to pray for a miracle for my body. You know, going forward, you know, dab and dear. Um, they had to come home short because uh, the twin towers happened. But uh, I recited a wee scripture verse every night before bed. and I It was on a handkerchief. There's no power in a handkerchief whatsoever, but there is power in God's word. And the scripture verse said this, and I recited it every night before I went to sleep. When I lie down, I shall not be afraid. Yes, I shall lie down and my sleep shall be sweet. And I was holding on to that as a promise, that every fear that would come upon me, every anxiety that may surround me, that the Lord would just take away. He would just fill me with his peace as I was going to sleep, because it happened right before I was going to sleep. So, you know, so we, we, we started to pray for God's healing. I was just, just quoting God's word. Um, and it happened, the seizures kept happening for a while, you know, over the course of I think it was six, seven, eight months, um, one side of the face. Every now and then, I would have taken a, a full-body seizure, um, but later on, the the following year, that was two thousand and one, two thousand and two, I hadn't taken a seizure for a while, and I remember coming down to the kitchen and let the big medicine cupboard. Everyone's got a medicine cupboard, and I was sitting on the counter. Mum was mum. Well, mum, we we're going to take a medicine, but I hadn't taken a seizure for a while. And I remember mum saying, Jonathan, will we believe that God's healed you? Will we believe that God has healed you? And will not, will not take a medicine? I said, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll believe. We'll believe God. We'll trust God. We'll put our faith in God. We'll, we'll believe that I'm healed. And that was 2002. I can say 19 years on, I haven't had a seizure. I give all glory to God. It's all because of him. It's all because of what he done. You know, I didn't take the medication. I can't remember what the conversation was going back to the hospital to do, you know, you're going for checkups. But you know what? God healed this life. God set me free from that sickness and God made me whole. And I want to give all glory to him that I can share this with you tonight, that if you have a sickness, God's able to heal. He's able to heal. He's able to heal you. Keep believing. Keep praying. God can't do it if it's His will, you know. So, two thousand and two, two thousand and three, I was, I was starting lagging like, college. Um, yeah, to be honest, I really didn't like lagging. <laughs> to be honest. Um, <laughs> Did you? <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like lagging at all. Um, going from P seven in the first year, I don't know, your your eyes are open when you get into secondary school. You see and you hear a lot of things, uh, but then lagging, you know, all I can remember was there was a lot of fights. There was a lot of fights. The police were called. Uh, I think there was drugs found in the lower playground. And I mean, I came from a, a Christian home, a sheltered family, into the this and. I going. whoa, what's going on? Wow, you know, but, but if I back up, in the August, before I started school, there was a youth camp that we had and Uncle Tim was preaching and Paul Malkinson was preaching and there was a particular night, Tuesday night, David was leading worship at this camp up in, there up a big school house up in uh, North Coast and Uncle Tim was preaching. I can't remember what he was preaching on, but I do know he was talking about being baptised in the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, and he made, you know, he just made a call for those who wanted to get baptised, and he were to come to the front, and I remember going to the front, and I'm standing, the wall in front of me was arm's length, and there was a big school window to my left, and Uncle Tim came over, and he he stuck his big hand in my head, and his other hand was either on my chest, or on my shoulder, and he started to pray, and he started to pray, and he started to pray, and he kept on praying, I just remember, he kept on praying for me, and I want to thank the Lord. That night, the Holy Spirit baptised me. And the reason why I'm saying that, that he filled me with the Holy Spirit, the reason why I'm saying that is because I believe that that particular night, it was it was his help to get me through my secondary years. It was hard. It was hard as a Christian. But the Holy Spirit saw me through first year like it and second year. like, it. And I remember taking a stand, to, you know, at certain points, you know, friends are talking about doing this, doing that, and I'm going, oh, I don't do that, I'm a Christian, I don't do that, I don't say that. So, you know, there are just be simple things, but back then when you're, when you're 12 and you're 13, it is a witness. It is a witness to your friends around you. And uh, it's funny thinking back on it now, but, you know, when kids hear that, you know, they start making fun of you. Fun of you, you know, when there was, back then, there was a, a social networking, like Facebook, but it was called Bebo, and... I don't know what that was, but it was called Bebo. That's what it was called, and somebody had wrote on it, "Johnny Nixon's dad is Moses." <laughs> so it's funny looking back on it now. Well, <laughs> it is funny, but see, then as a as a as a twelve year old, <laughs> no, I don't have. It. <laughs> You know it was hard. You know, hearing as a twelve-year-old, you're trying to make a stand in school. You know, just mm, those comments like that coming along. You know, but God was good through it. At the end, at the end of, at the end of uh, first year in Lagan College, my my first choice for school was Wellington. Um, I never got into Wellington. I went to Lagan. First year at the end of at the end of Ligon College. Mum, would decide to pray about, you know, writing a letter to the principal of Wellington, uh, Mrs. Reed, And we wrote a letter um, to see if they would accept me in. Um, we photocopied my results and sent it through to them. I never heard any word back, so I started lagging in the, in the second year. And it was the August just getting into third year then. I thought I was going to lagging, and we got a phone call. Well, we were praying. We were praying that God would open a door to get into Wellington, and I got a phone call. Um, from Mrs. Reid. My well, mum got a phone call from Mrs. Reid to say would, would you come down for a chat, an interview and discuss the letter, your results possibly coming here and you know we went down and we had a conversation and I want to say God opened up a door for me to move from Lagan College to Wellington College. We had that conversation and they basically said yeah come on ahead. You know God's been so good He's so faithful, even in the wee things, you just see God's hand just guiding you, just leading you. Do you know, actually, I came out of that interview room and there was a guy sitting, sitting there. He went to Newton Breeders school. I played football with him at uh, a beaver football club called Matty. And he was in the same position. And he wasn't saved, but God knew what he was doing because he brought Matty along as well. And me and Matty started third year in Wellington, the same day, in the same class, it's just, God, God's just, he's just unbelievable. You can't, you can't write what his plans and his purposes, you know. So Matty started, Matty wasn't saved. And Matty sat beside me in form class. And we were in some classes, some classes we weren't. But any time I got a chance, I would, have, I, would have, I would have tried to witness to him. You know, just tell him about God and the Jesus died for him. And I came in one day, I think it was near the end of third year, on a Monday morning. And Matty came in too. And he turned around and he went, John, I want to tell you something. I give my life to Christ. So it's just it's awesome to see just the wee things that Matty, who wasn't saved, came along with me. and We were, we were friends in school. God saved. He then went on to be a missionary in Israel to reach the Jews. He, he, he married an American girl whose family were missionaries out there. He's now back here living. But see to see God's hand on your life in the small things, in the big things, how he leads, how he guides. It's awesome, you know, I failed him, I let I let God down. But see, through those years, God has never failed me. God has been so good, He's been so gracious, not just healing me, but keeping me. Even at times, you know, having to come from come away from my friends because they're going either down the drinking and the street route or they're going down the drinking and going to a clubbing route. I had to step back. God was faithful, God was with me, He sticks closer than a brother, and I can testify of that tonight through lagging College first year and second year and through Wellington third year to fifth year. I never went in the sixth year. I went, I went to tech and at tech is where I met Rebecca and in twenty twelve we got engaged nineteen and two thousand and thirteen we got married at twenty and then Jacob and then Sarah came along and now number three's come along again the month. I can at the end of the year. At the end of the month. <laughs> but I can say God's been good. See over the past eight years. See the amount of times God's provided for us. I can truly say he is Joe Vajara, my provider. I can say he was a cat on a thousand hills. The amount of times he showed up at the right moment. When we thought, how are we going to get through? God showed up. Right on time, God showed up. He's met our need. He's met our need materially, financially. God has showed up. You know He really is Jehovah Jireh. Really does look after us. I can testify of that tonight in our in our marriage. You know that from 2013 to now, He's been so faithful. He's been so good to us, and you know I, I do I give him all the glory for it because it's not. It's nothing to do with me. It's nothing to do with me. He just he wants just to lavish his love upon us. That's what he wants to do. Do you know what I'm just thinking during the week, um I'm twenty nine next month and I'm thirty next year and I'm going I'm thirty. Next year, wow. I'm getting old. I feel like I'm getting old Moses. <laughs> I'm going, where's the time gone? And then I'm thinking of those that are turning forty Brent soon, but <laughs> I'm going flip. I <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, where's the time gone? Time just goes so quick, so quick. And just to finish, I have, I have a question I want to leave with you. And it's, it's this. What is your life worth in the light of where you will spend eternity? What is your life worth in the light of where you'll spend eternity? You know, is it worth your career? Getting Going, going through that career... Uh, ladder Is it worth the wealth and the riches of this world and all the world has to offer in the light of eternity? Is it worth your name and flashing lights on billboards or that brand new car or the big house? Is it worth these material things in the light of eternity? Is it worth the next drink or the next drug? Is it really worth that? Get out the weekend and getting wrecked. Is it worth that? What is your life worth in the light of eternity? Do you know, do you know how the Bible describes your life? This, this is how the Bible describes your life. And it, it's in that same chapter. In verse 15 and 16 of Psalms 103, it says, The life of mortals, that's you and I, the life of mortals is like the grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. We flourish like the flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. You're like a grass that flourishes. But when the wind blows, it withers away and it's gone. It's no more. It's no more. You know, I was reading what Spurgeon has to say about these verses. This is what Spurgeon says about these two verses. He, man, lives on the grass and lives like the grass. Corn is but educated grass. And man who feeds on it partakes of its nature. The grass lives, grows, flowers, falls beneath the scythe, dries up and is removed from the field. I'll read that again. The grass lives, grows, flowers, falls beneath the scythe, dries up and is removed from the field. When you read that sentence, you actually see the history of man, don't you? Really. If he lives out his little day, he is cut down at last and it is far more likely that he will wither before he comes to maturity or be plucked away all of a sudden long before he has fulfilled his time as a flower of the field so he flourisheth; he has a beauty and a comeliness even as the meadows have when they are yellow with the king cups but alas how short-lived no sooner come they than gone a flesh of loveliness and no more Man is not even like a flower in the conservatory or in the sheltered garden garden border. He grows best according to nature as the field flower does and like the unprotected beautifier of the pasture, he runs a thousand risks of coming to a speedy end. Happy are they, though who born from above, have in them an incorruptible seed which liveth and abideth forever. Do you know, know what I take from... What Spurgeon saying, what verse 15 and 16 is saying in Psalms and and three. Your life is here, and then your life is gone. It's here, and then it's gone. It's gone. It's not coming back. You've got a time to be born. You were born on a date. But then there's a time to die if he doesn't return. I ask again, what is your life worth in the light of where you're gonna spend eternity? Your life is here and then it's gone. It is here and then it's gone. And I'm emphasizing the point, just like the grass, you're here and then you're gone. Like the the breath that you breathe in that frosty morning, you see it in that cold, frosty morning, you breathe out, you see your breath just for a second, it's here and then it's gone, it's not coming back. There's no return to that breath. Or you put the kettle on the morning and you see the steam coming out from the kettle, maybe 30, 40 seconds, you see it, and then it disappears, it vanishes. Your life is here, and then it's gone. Do you know, seeing between here and gone, that's your life. You've got one shot at this life. There is no second chance. You're not going to come back as anything else. The Bible says it's appointed the man once to die, and then the judgment. And I want to emphasize the point, Again, your life is here and then your life is gone. You're not going to get another second chance at this life. What you do here on earth, the decision you make tonight could spend, could, could, decide where you spend eternity. Do you know, it's here and then it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. That we're gone. Do you know, and no one knows the day and the hour that we're going to take our last breath. You might think, I've got next week or next month. I'll wait the next year or I'll wait till I'm older. But in all honesty, you could lay your head and the- I could lay my head on my pillow tonight and I may not wake up in the morning. The same goes for you. That is the truth. Nobody, nobody knows when you're going to take your last breath. Your life is here and then your life is gone. I'm not trying to scare you or fear you into doing anything, but I'm trying to show the urgency of, right now, of getting your life right with Christ tonight. Don't wait the next week. Don't wait till next month or next year or 10 years time or when you're older. You might not get there. You might not get next week. You might not get tomorrow morning. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Do you know what you do between here and gone? will decide where you will spend eternity. What is your life worth in the light of where you will spend eternity? Do you know, salvation is on offer for you tonight. It is a gift for you to receive. You have the opportunity opportunity tonight to accept that gift or to reject the gift of salvation. Do you know, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay it back. You're not having to beat yourself up for it. God is giving you a free gift tonight that you can choose to accept eternal life with Him. Eternal life with Him. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. There's a gift on offer for you tonight. And do you know what? God's not going to force you to receive this gift. He's, he's so awesome in his love. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. But because of his love, he's given you the choice and the opportunity tonight to receive this gift of salvation. Don't put it off the next week, next year, 10 years time. It's tonight. The urgency is tonight. For your life is here and then it's gone. God does desire that you receive this gift you know when you receive this gift of salvation not only are you born again that you turn from the life that you once lived and you turn and you live for Christ but there's perks with the gift so to speak when you receive this gift of salvation you receive eternal life in heaven you receive a mansion in heaven when you get there you'll worship him with all your might you'll bow down before him and give him glory eternal life of heaven if you receive this gift if you receive this gift he'll give you the power and the victory to conquer sin in your life you'll be able to overcome sin in your life through the power of the holy spirit if you receive the gift of salvation if you're if you're weighed down with fear and anxiety you receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. He'll give you a peace that passes all understanding. He'll give you a peace like no other that you can go through life and know you've got the peace of God just resting upon you. Do you know if you're depressed, if you're downcast, receive this gift of salvation for God promises that he'll give you a joy unspeakable and full of glory. It is a joy unspeakable and full of glory that no matter what you're going through, no matter if you're downcast, he can give you a joy like no other. And if you're going through the trials of life and you don't know where to turn, you don't know what to go to, you're in a valley, you're in a storm and you don't know how you're going to get out of it, receive the gift of salvation because through Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit, he'll give you a strength like no other to get you through the trials of life. This is what he has on offer for you. You don't receive this gift. Well then, the Bible says that there's a place called hell. That if you're not saved, that's where you're heading to. And the Bible says there will be weeping of gnashing and of teeth. The Bible says it's like a lake of fire. Is that what you want? God's not forcing you to do anything, but is, is that what you want? Is eternity in heaven really worth forsaking for that high-end career? Career in itself isn't wrong. But if that is your life, if that becomes your God, where is it going to lead you? Where, Where is it going to lead you, really? Where is it going to lead you? Eternity, speaking. Is eternity in heaven really worth forsaking for the wealth and the riches of this world? You know, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. If that becomes your drive, money, 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 I need money, I need to get more money. And it becomes your God, where is it going to lead you? Where is it going to lead you? And the light of where you spend eternity. Is eternity in heaven really worth forsaking for your name and flesh and lights? That new car, that big house, the material things, them in themselves isn't wrong. But see if that is all you want, is all you desire, and you don't desire God, where's it gonna lead you? The Bible says that all these things are gonna burn when he returns, they're for the fire. You can't bring them with you when you die. Is that what you want? Do you know, maybe maybe you can't, maybe you want to give your life to Christ, but you can't stop drinking that alcohol or you can't give up that, that drug that you keep taking. Do you know what the Bible says? Call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. If you call on the name of Jesus, well, if you call on the name of Jesus, well, the deaf can hear again. The blind receive their sight. The lame can walk again. The dead are raised again. If you call On the name of Jesus, every chain, the chain of addiction, the chain of alcohol addiction, the chain of drug addiction on your life can be broken too, broken too. You can be set free from that addiction if you call on the name of Jesus. The Bible says today, if you hear his voice, hearken not your heart. You know, I urge you to receive this gift of salvation. Your life is here and then your life is gone. Your life is gone. The Bible says, now is the day of salvation. Do you know what are you going to do? It's entirely up to you. But I've pre- I presented to you the truth of God's word. And it is a gift. It is a gift that you can freely receive. And freely receive the benefits as Psalms 103 instructs us not to forget his benefits, freely receive all the benefits that he has for you. Do you know? I just want to testify of God's goodness, God's grace on this life, his keeping power, and a sustaining hand. Don't know where I would be without him. I could be out in that world, I could be sitting on a pew, dead as Hector. I don't know. But I want to thank the Lord that I'm saved, I'm washed in the precious blood, I've been forgiven my chains have been set, set free, that he has kept me, that he's healed me, that he's Jehovah Jireh, he's my provider. I don't want to give Mother the glory tonight.